This is Sunday morning worship service here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Church with our senior pastor, Reverend Farrell Hardison, bringing the message today, God's Unlikely Hero, Part 3. We'll be in the 1 Corinthians, Judges, Isaiah, 1 Peter, and Romans for scriptures. Here's Brother David. Amen. Let's get started singing the old gospel ship.
speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus your name is
I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up till I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God I love your voice you have led me through the fire in darkness night you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good Every breath that I am able Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after, running after me.
Brother Thomas, good to see you. You're by yourself over there, but you sound mighty good. Yes, sir. You know, I played the congas. So if you ever need me to bring them to church. Okay. I'm sure you probably want to practice with me a time or two, maybe. It's summertime, y'all. When you feel the heat out there like it is. Makes you want to go to heaven when you die. Amen? Amen. Just a word to you people who like hot weather. The altar's open at the end of the service. We'd be glad to pray for you. Come on, fall. Come on. Amen. Come on, October. <laughs> Happy birthday, Pastor Brian. Step in here and let us look at you. 59 years old. God bless you, brother. So good to see you. Sing to him. Well, somebody else is going to have to start it now. If I start it, it will never get back on track. I believe I could have done that good. I believe I could. And uh, that's all you're going to get, so I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> wow, the kids uh, had an event yesterday, and I just, 
it was just awesome. And I wasn't even here. I just looked at all the pictures on Facebook, uh, our grow kids. And uh, you can't miss it when you leave today. When you walk out of that door, it's right against that wall back there. And uh, uh, Miss Marcy and her team did some wonderful, creative things yesterday. Let's give it up for our children leaders. Amen. 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 Thank God for them. And aren't our ushers beautiful today? Normally they're not, but they're beautiful today. And, uh, you know, I don't know if y'all have been through the training, but when somebody don't give, keep the plate in front of them. Look, let me show you. Give me the plate. And shake it. And then if they don't give anything, go, Really? But then move on, just move on. <laughs> Thank you all for your giving. I do appreciate it. I, I do appreciate it. I, I feel like um, our, our summer numbers have, have uh, held up very well. You all have been giving and just uh, keep on obeying the Lord. And remember, a tithe is 10% of your income and then there are offerings beyond your tithe. My belief, and I believe the Bible bears this out, is that our tithe goes to the local church. And then our offerings can go wherever God may impress us to give them. Uh, but uh, I believe it goes into, into, into the storehouse, and I believe the storehouse is that local church. And I appreciate all y'all do. I want you to know how much I appreciate it. Now, I wasn't here last Sunday. I heard uh, uh, Brother Brian did a wonderful job preaching last week and the biggest compliment I got is that he let y'all out way earlier than I do. So I hope you packed a lunch today because um, but uh, I went through uh, several tests uh, while I was away and found out my heart's good to go, good to go on my heart. Amen. They don't give you two of them. You know, you got you got two kidneys and two lungs and all of that, but your your heart uh, don't get you don't get two of those. And the doctor gave me a good um, uh, report on my heart, and then of course I had the uh, scopes and found out that uh, I had no real issues there that were visible. And they're going to they have sent off some some biopsies, and I'll be hearing from those. But the doctor said he didn't feel like there'd be any problem there either. So praise God. Amen. Amen. So I think they've decided that the pain I encounter is because I'm ugly and there's nothing they can do about that. So you don't believe that's it? Thank you, brother, for standing with me. I, I appreciate you because my other staff member over there does he's a he's the no, that ain't it. No, or that is it, the ugly. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, girls. Thank you all so much for being here today. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to worship you by giving. Thank you to bless us, that you bless us, that we might give, that we might worship you in giving back really a tiny percent, a tiny little bit of all you give for us. Help us be more generous, Lord. Help us be more generous and help us to be a blessing. And it's in those lean times, it's in those tough times that the devil comes and tries to tempt us 
not to be faithful in our giving. But Lord, I know you will not let us hear that voice. And we will be faithful in the good times and in the bad. We pray it in Jesus' name and everybody said, Amen. song. I love it. Thank you, brother. Reminds me of uh, Cleopas and Luke were walking with the risen Savior after, I mean, right after his resurrection, and they didn't recognize him. And that's interesting that they didn't recognize him, and different commentators have different things to say about that. Uh, but the Bible says that uh, they asked him many questions and that he answered them all. And all of that is not there in, in that scripture that records that event. It doesn't say what Jesus said or, or does, doesn't say very much of what Jesus said. But after they parted ways and Cleopas and Luke went on and Jesus went a different way, they begin to talk about him and they ask the question, did not our hearts burn within us as this man spoke? about the Word of God. Amen. I want to feel that good burning sensation when I hear the Word of God. Now, I've got heartburn, but that's not it. That's not the same thing. I have heard some preaching that gave me heartburn. But uh, Jesus, uh, it was God talking to them. It was the resurrected Lord having a conversation with them. They said, our hearts burned within us. As he spoke, and I love that language. I just love that, and and uh, uh, we thank the Lord for recording things like that in the Bible. 
the other part of that old song you were singing that I like is I feel Jesus in this place and I want us to always be able to say that about our church. Amen? Now if you want something out of this service, I'm going to suggest you put something in it. So for some of y'all, it might be too late. <laughs> but when you walk in, when you walk in on Sunday morning, you, you have already been worshiping, right? You've already been worshiping at home. I'm going to assume that. So when you get up in the morning, instead of putting the news on, instead of putting on your favorite uh, country music, we need to put on some good uh, God-praising music. Lord lifting up music and worship before we get here so that when we do get here, we're already primed and ready to go. Who remembers them old pumps you had to prime? Amen. Well, you're just like that, you old people. You're just like that spiritually. If you want something out of it, you got to put something in it. And uh, we appreciate what y'all do uh, every Sunday, every Sunday night. Every Wednesday night, it is fifth Sunday, so we will not be having service tonight. That may have already been mentioned, but I did want to mention that to you. Brother Max teaching on Wednesday night from the book of Acts. He's going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the book of Acts. We hope you'll come back on Wednesday night for that. And I've got all my doctor stuff behind me now, so I'll be back on Wednesday night and uh, worshiping with you all uh, the way I like to do. I like to be here. like to be with you. We're talking about God's unlikely hero. God's unlikely hero. I want us to look in the Bible at a verse we've looked at several times. Let's look at it again. 1 Corinthians. That's in the middle part of the New Testament. 1 Corinthians comes right before 2 Corinthians. It's easy to find. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. And it's on the screen there. For you see your calling. In other words, that word see might be better interpreted. Think about or consider. You consider your calling. Everybody in here has a calling. Pastor Farrell will stand before the Lord one day and give an account of what I did with my calling but so will you. Every believer has a calling. He says, I want you to think about your calling, consider your calling, brethren, and consider this fact about God, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty or powerful, not many noble uh, or royalty, are called. God doesn't call those. It doesn't say any. It doesn't say God doesn't call any uh, wise of the flesh. It doesn't say that he doesn't call any mighty or any noble. It says he doesn't call many. He calls people like you and people like me to do great things that he might be glorified. Every one of you have a calling, every one of you, God wants to use in a mighty way for his glory. And you will give an account for that. It is my job as your pastor to tell you that there is an event coming called the Bema or the judgment seat of Christ where Jesus will judge Christians. 
Now, we've all seen the play, and we've had the play done at our church, uh, churches I've pastored before. Might want to do it here at some time, where uh, some people come in, and they lead your church to do a drama called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. How many of y'all know about that? You know about that? Or you've seen that play? And uh, they do a part of the play um, that really isn't biblical, and they explain that, why they do it that way. Um, They have a part in the play where people come before the Lord. And uh, one will be a believer, and the one behind will not be a believer. And and the Lord, of course, says, I didn't know you. And the unbeliever goes uh, where he goes, and and he will look in the Lamb's Book of Life, and the believer, he'll look at the believer and say, here's your name, and, and you go to heaven. And uh, that's in the play, and it's, it's all right, it's powerful, but Christians and sinners will not be judged at the same judgment. They will not be judged at the same judgment. There are two separate judgments. You say, well, what in the world are Christians being judged for? Are they Christians or not Christians? I mean, they're going to heaven, that's right. That's right, they're going to go to heaven. But you have to give an account of your ministry. You have to give an account of the judgment of what you did with the opportunities and the talent and the abilities God gave you. You're going to give an account of that. And it's my job as the pastor to remind you. And listen, when I'm reminding you, I'm reminding me. Because I'm, I'm no different than any of you. I'll have to stand before the Lord one day and give an account of my ministry. What God's saying here through the writer Paul is that God doesn't uh, choose the elite. He will choose them occasionally, but most of the time he doesn't. Most of the time he chooses regular, ordinary people like you and like me. God is saying here that when it comes to accomplishing great things for him, scholarship doesn't matter. It's relationship. Your relationship with him. How many of y'all are glad that your degrees and all the college degrees and, and even your high school graduation, all that, doesn't have a thing in the world to do with whether God uses you or not? And I'm not saying don't go to school, and I'm not saying don't go to college, but it don't impress God. You know what impresses God? Is your relationship, not your scholarship, your relationship. Also, it's not your ability, because some of us have tons of ability. How many of y'all, before Miss Millie sang her little part in the song today, would have said, I'd just soon hear Brother Farrell sing that? Not a one of you. And I appreciate the one I just heard laugh out loud when I said that. No, you know Miss Millie's got way more talent and way more ability. But it's not our ability. It's our availability. That we're available to God. It is not our fame. Fame does not impress God at all. It impresses us. I, I, I mean, it's just amazing to me, people in this world who are famous. <laughs> it's just really amazing. I've learned so many wonderful things from the Kardashians, haven't you? Those are some deep people, man. I'm t- no, I, I may have 
I may have run across them as I was going through the channels, but I didn't even pause. When I, but they're very famous. They're very famous. And then there are people who are famous for good reasons. And they ought to be famous. But they, it doesn't impress God. What if you had to go... Uh, what if you had to be famous to go to heaven? I'd be in trouble, wouldn't you? I'd be in trouble. Don't anybody know me uh, uh, outside of uh, a little bit of Wayne County and a little bit of a little bit of Johnston County? I'm so glad I don't have to be famous. It's not fame; it's faith. It's your faith. It's your faith. God wants ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Because when ordinary people do extraordinary things, God gets the glory. God gets the glory. So the overriding, let's just talk about the book of Judges for a minute. I I don't know if you're like me, but it seems like we don't spend a lot of time in the book of Judges. So I want to just tell you a little bit about the book of Judges. And I want to tell you why a lot of the things happened that did happen in the book of Judges. Here's the overall message of the book of Judges. You want to know what the overall message of the entire book of Judges is? Here it is. God will not let sin go undealt with. Now, I don't know if that's a good sentence or not, but to put it another way, the book of Judges teaches us that God will deal with sin. He will not let sin go uncorrected, or unpunished. If we sin, if a nation sins, they will pay, they will deal, God will deal with them according to their sin. Now that kind of preaching, to say that, um, um, is not very popular in our day. It isn't very popular to say that. People, People don't like it. And I appreciate the attitude you've had to, toward me since I've been your pastor to talk about the Word of God and talk about sin and name sin and talk about how sin in, impacts us. I appreciate you for that. Uh, the Bible says the people in Berea were noble people because they received the Word of God. And you all received the Word of God. Now, now if anybody's got mad at me because of anything I preach since I've been here, you haven't told me. You haven't told me. And you're saying, well, I'll get that straight this morning. Please don't. Please don't. Wait till about Tuesday, if you will. But you all have received the Word of God. Here's what I've discovered about you. If it's in the Bible, you all want me to preach it. And I appreciate that. And, and I remind you, I remind you again, that when I preach it to you, I am preaching it to me. I am preaching it to me. Um, When I preach a message, uh, God's already dealt with my heart about it. And I've told you before, when I'm studying, when I'm preparing, when I'm praying over a sermon, many, many times I've got out of the seat that I'm in studying and made it an altar and said, Lord, I know I'm weak in this area. I know I'm not being obedient in this area. I'm about to get up there and preach something that's true, but I'm convicted by it because I know I'm not where I ought to be. And if a preacher's not going to do that, if he's not going to let the Word of God work on him before he preaches it, then he's not much of a preacher. And the Word of God works on me before it works on 
you. So the exodus of Israel, and you know that story in the book of Exodus when they came out of uh, Egyptian bondage, uh, two things were established. What was established is that Israel was God's chosen people. Israel is God's chosen people. Now I will be honest with you, I see Jews do a lot of things in our day that I know God is not pleased with. I see Jewish people uh, influencing and uh, doing things in, in our time that breaks God's heart, but that doesn't mean they're still not God's chosen people. Now the wonderful thing about God is that he let us Gentiles in on the blessing. Now we're not his chosen people, but he sent his son to die on the cross so that we could be right with God. Amen? I don't know about y'all. I don't know how many Jews there are here this morning. I think I do. Zero. But anyway, uh, I'm glad we got in on the deal. I'm glad the Lord let us in on it. But I want you to know they're God's chosen people. The other thing it established is their God's God is their king. God is the king of the Jewish people. And uh, in the book of Exodus, of course, you know this is at the early part of the Bible. So God is uh, establishing the fact that he is their king. And Israel, even with all of that, God choosing them and being their king, they had forsaken the covenant that was established at Mount Sinai. They, they broke that covenant. So in the book of Judges, God is disciplining them. He's disciplining them. How many of you know a good daddy will discipline his children? Amen. Now, I know y'all didn't hear me. I don't know why, but I know you didn't hear me. So I'm going to say it again. A good daddy will discipline his child. Amen. Amen. And uh, we got a good daddy. We got a good daddy up there. And that good daddy disciplined them because, get this, they followed other gods. I mean, over and over in Israel's history, they would turn to other gods. As a matter of fact, when uh, Charlton Heston, I mean uh, Moses, just seeing if y'all listen, when he was up in that mountain getting the law, getting the word from God, they melted down golden uh, artifacts and, uh, and uh, uh, different uh, trinkets and things melted the gold down and made them a golden calf while he was up there. While he was up there getting the word from the Lord. And then he came down and found that, and you know that story very well and, and all of that, but they followed other gods, so they had to be dealt with. Now as I say this and as I preach this, I want you to think about America I want you to think about America, and I want you to think about you. I want you to think about your life, and I want you to think about America. And the Bible says the nation whose God is the Lord will be a blessed nation. So that also tells me a lot of other things. The nation whose God is not our Lord is going to suffer. They're going to suffer. Listen. It also tells me that the individuals, the individual who has God 
as their Lord are going to be blessed. And the individual who has rejected God as their Lord is going to uh, be dealt with. That rejection, that rebellion is going to be dealt with. It is. It applies to us. It applies to us. If a preacher, and I'm talking a lot about preachers this morning, but if a preacher can't help you see how the Word of God applies to your life, then really uh, you can lose interest in the Word of God and you can wonder what do I need to know the Word of God for if it doesn't apply to me. The fact of the matter is it does apply to you. It may apply to you in a literal sense or it may apply, apply to you in a symbolic sense, but the Word of God, all of the Word of God applies to us individually it applies to us as a local church, and it applies to us as a nation, as a nation. And right now, I feel like our nation is on the wrong track. I feel like they're going in the wrong direction. I feel like they're uh, uh, doing exactly what Israel did, following other gods. The other thing Israel did, they disobeyed the sacrificial laws. They disobeyed uh, or they engaged in blatant immorality. Boy, that one's going on today, isn't it? Blatant immorality. And at times they would descend into anarchy. And I don't know what you're seeing on the news, but I'm seeing anarchy a lot on the news. And it's what's happening in our country. The book of, the book of Judges includes many of the most graphic, violent, and disturbing scenes you will find in all of Scripture. Don't look for it while I'm preaching. But there's a story in the book of Judges of a man who kills someone and then cuts them into tiny pieces. You say, why is that in Judges and why do you even need to bring that up? Because I want you to know we act like, we act like we're living in a, a sinful time. Ladies and gentlemen, when man fell in the Garden of Eden... They descended to the lowest depths very quickly. Very quickly. And you see it in the book of Judges. Sometimes the sins they committed were in the name of righteousness. And sometimes the sins they committed were in the name of evil. But the Jews were God's chosen people. So when they came under conviction and cried out to him, he listened to those cries for mercy. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. When you think about sin and you think about even after Jesus did what he did and we've been taught on it so many times, we break his heart, we wound him anew when we sin, that God still hears our cries for mercy when we sin. I thank God for that. Thank God he hears Pharaoh's cry when Pharaoh has gotten proud. I noticed that y'all uh, look a lot more receptive when I talk about my sin. I, I just noticed that. But I'm telling you, I'm so glad that when I sin, when I fall, when I stumble, he hears my cry. And, and I cry out to the Lord. I, Lord, I know that's wrong. I know that's wrong. I know that attitude is wrong. I know, God, that uh, uh, whatever it is, the way I thought about that, the way I let that into my life is wrong. I am so glad that God hears my cries. And I'm glad He hears your cries. 
for mercy. And then God would raise up the children of Israel and uh, deliver them. Judges introduces to us many heroes of faith, some of them being Othniel. These are people you can read about. Gideon, that's who we're talking about in this sermon. You know probably the most popular character in the book of Judges, Samson. Shamgar, we talked about Shamgar a few Sundays ago. Deborah, that you hear about. Deborah, mentioned also in the New Testament. Her name is here. Jephthah's name is here. Ehud, these were imperfect people. They were flawed people. But they were people who answered God's call to tell the Israelites the truth that they might be delivered. And sometimes, as in the story of Gideon, God did it in a very dramatic way. And we'll, we'll get to that. But even these godly individuals that were in the book of Judges did not have enough influence to get the children of Israel going in the right, the right direction as a nation, and stay in it. Israel was just not able or just wouldn't allow God to give them enough strength to resist the sinful Canaanite influences. Now listen, do you see a correlation between the nation of Israel, Old Testament, and America today? I hope you do. Because that's what we're talking about here today. For seven years, rebellious Israel faced invasions from the Midianites, the Amalekites, the Termites, other foreign nations who wanted to steal from them and destroy their crops and their cattle. As a matter of fact, that's what's happening in this sermon series that I'm preaching Gideon is being called to stop the Midianites from crossing over the mountain and stealing their crops and their livestock as they had done year after year after year. Now, one of the reasons uh, they're being dealt with here, one of the reasons the Israelites are being dealt with here is because Israel wanted a king. Israel was bound and determined to have a king, and God was their king. God was Israel's king. But here's what Israel did. They looked around and saw other nations had kings, and they got kind of whiny about it. And they said, we want a king. We want a king too. So God said, be careful what you ask for. And they got Saul as their king. Now, the Bible says Saul was taller than everybody else and very good looking. That'd be a lot like me, honey. But he wasn't a godly leader. He was not a godly leader. And so, listen now, listen. Think about your Bible. So, God allowed Israel to have king after king after king after king. Thus, two books in the Bible called. Very good, very good. Somebody said it. First kings and second kings, and Israel was ruled by kings. But that wasn't God's will. God said, I'll be your king. If you'll let me be your king, then I'll rule you through prophets, through men of God who will speak to you and guide you. But they wanted the king, so they got a king. And I'm telling you, 
I'm telling you, it was horrible, horrible times. Now, they did have some good kings that came along, godly kings, but the but the the poor kings, the ungodly kings, outnumbered the godly kings. So even though Israel had been unfaithful to God by worshiping the gods of the Amorites, and the reason they worshiped the gods of the Amorites is because these kings that they wanted were not godly men. But God heard the cry of Israel when they would get in trouble because of their sin. Now, you might be sitting out there right now going, I hope I'm following you, and I hope you're following me too. I'm trying to say it in a way you can follow me, but let me just say it this way. When you decide to go your own way and do it your way, you're going to get in trouble a whole lot. And you're going to need God to get you out of trouble. And you better be glad, as I am glad for me, for myself and my faults, that when I get truly sorry for my sin and repentant, he will hear my cry and he will come and deliver me. So God hears their cries. As a matter of fact, it tells us, and I'm not going to put the scripture up there, but I just want to give you this. Some of y'all take notes. Judges 6 and 8, the Bible says, when they cried out, God sent them an unnamed prophet. Didn't even tell us who it was. And that unnamed prophet told the children of Israel and reminded them how good God had been to them. And he reminded them uh, that the one true and living God, Jehovah, Yahweh, was the one who had provided for them in, in the past and had, had blessed them and poured manna down from heaven, rock, water came out of a rock. He just told them, God's been good to you. The people realized it, and they said, we're sorry. Again, again, they'd already said, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry. And God would hear them every time and bless them. And they're saying, we're sorry again, and God hears them. And God graciously intervenes by sending an angel to Gideon. And Gideon, um, and this is the part of the sermon where we talked about God using ordinary people, and I'm not going to get into, into a lot of detail here, but I just want you to remember that the angel of the Lord came to Gideon, and uh, he was hiding, he was uh, threshing wheat and the wine press, and uh, the angel of the Lord came, and of course, you know, we talked about who that was, probably Jesus, and the angel of the Lord came, and said to a very, listen to me, a very discouraged Gideon, the Lord God is with you. And I don't see it in my Bible, but I've got a feeling Gideon said something like, right, sure, sure he is. Because when he talks after this, when Gideon talks, he's really he's really unloading on that angel and saying, well, God sure hasn't done anything much that I can see. But he tells him, he says, I want you to know, Gideon, God is with you, and you, sir, are a mighty man of valor. And Gideon probably laughed at that too. But you see, he was a fearful farmer and a man of valor. And God chose this man so that When he did great things, God would get the glory. Don't forget what I told you earlier. God doesn't see you for what you are. He sees you for what you can be. 
if you yield yourself to Him. If you yield your life to Him, if you yield yourself to the power of God, He sees what you can be. As a matter of fact, in chapter 6 of Judges, verse 34, it tells us that the Spirit of God came on Gideon. And then when you study that, it says, it really is saying that the Holy Spirit put Gideon on like a piece of clothes. So the inside, remember I did the glove thing? That inside Gideon was the power of the Holy Spirit. He anointed him. So God uses ordinary people. Here's what I want to leave you with today. God doesn't just use ordinary people. He uses holy people. He uses holy people. We are a Pentecostal We are a Pentecostal holiness. Holiness is the name of our denomination, but holiness is not a denomination. Holiness says without it you won't see God. That's pretty important. It sounds like more than a denomination to me. I know some churches and denominations think if you don't join their denomination, if you're not a member of their church, you can't get to heaven. They pretty much say it right out loud. They pretty much preach it out loud. I guess we could preach that since holiness is in the name of our denomination. But we took that name. It is not a denomination. Holiness is a way of life that God says he wants you to have. God uses regular people like Pharaoh. God uses regular people, ordinary people like you. Listen, he also can use you when you're holy. Not perfect. How many of y'all are glad God doesn't just use perfect people? I wouldn't get used. God wouldn't use me. Y'all are saying amen to that too. And you ought to. God couldn't use, he said God couldn't use somebody unless they're perfect. God couldn't use any of us because none of us are perfect. But we can live a sanctified life. God uses ordinary people. God uses sanctified people. Everybody say this with me. Dear Lord, sanctify me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Look at Judges 6. Look at verse 25. Got your Bible? You ready? Up on the screen. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, he's talking to Gideon, take your father's young bull. If you want to put that in modern language, take your John Deere tractor. Because that's what having a bull, a man's... uh, Value was determined by uh, how many bulls he had, how many oxen. He said, I want you to take your young bull, and then you're going to need another one. I want you to get a second bull of seven years old. Listen to this, church. Listen. And I want you to tear down the altar of Baal. I want you to take a young bull and then a bull that's seven years old. I want you to get some rope. I want you to get whatever you got to get. I want you to wrap it around Baal, that that, that false god that y'all been worshiping. I want you to wrap it around, and I want you to pull down that false god. 
I want you to pull down that idol that your father has and cut down. What's the key word in tear down and cut down? Down, yes. That's the common denominator. Listen to me. How does it apply to me? How does it apply? There's stuff in our life God wants us to tear down. There's stuff in our life God wants to break down. And there's stuff in our life God wants to build up. Tear down and build up. You want to get close to God? You want to please God? You want to make God happy? Tear down some things He leads you to tear down and build up some things in your life that need to be built up. Look what He says. He says, I want you to tear down that altar of Baal that your father has and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build. I want you to tear something down and then I want you to build something in its place. I want you to build an altar to the Lord your God, the God of the Bible, the God who is your king, Jehovah God, Yahweh God. I want you to build an altar to him. Don't want an image. Our God don't need an image. I'm glad y'all got a sign of a, a, a cross in this church. That's wonderful. All that is a message of what Jesus did for us. We don't bow before that cross. We don't bow before some, some image. Our God is alive and well. He's real. We, we have him with us every day. We don't have to run to some idol or, or make a smaller image uh, to keep on our dashboard or keep on our, our, our uh, office desk at work. Our God isn't some kind of image. Now, if you want to have crosses around you or, or little doodads that remind you of things about God, that's fine. But we don't worship idols. We don't worship images. Our God is real. Look what he says. Build back an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and burnt offering sacrifice. And I love this. He says, I want you to take the wood from that image where you tore the false god down. I want you to take that wood and I want you to uh, offer up a sacrifice uh, to the true and living God because that's how they did it then. It's still under that economy. He said, I want you to offer up a burnt offering to the Lord your God. Isn't that cool? He said, I want you to go tear down that false God made out of wood. I want you to take that wood and burn it and put a sacrifice on it to the true and living God. I like that. I like that. Look what he says. Look what he says, though. With the wood of the image that you shall what? There it is again. Cut down. Cut down. Verse 26. If you want to be used of God to do great, th great things, you've got to tear down some idols in your life. I have to tear down some idols in my life. What is an idol, preacher? We don't have idols these days. Anything in your life that you love more than you love God is an idol. Anything in your life that you fear more then you fear God is an idol. Anything in your life that you serve more than you serve God is an idol. Anything in your life that you value more than God is an idol in your life. And you know, people say, um, well, here's what I value. 
I value this and this and this. And then they give you a list of things they say they value. You know how to tell what a person values? Look at their calendar and their checkbook. Look at their calendar and their checkbook. You want to know what a church values? Look at their calendar and their checkbook. You want to know what I value? Look at my calendar and my checkbook. Whatever's number one on my calendar, whatever's at the top of the list on my calendar, whatever is at the top of the list in my checkbook, that's what I truly value. Now, I can say what I value all day long. But if you look at my checkbook and my calendar, and I'm going to just pause because there's so many amens coming this way, I can't even handle all of them. So I'm going to just pause and let y'all calm down. But it's true. Where you spend your money and where you spend your time, that's what you value. What a church spends its money on and what a church spends its time on is what is valued at that church. What a business spends its money on, its time on, that's what that business is all about. The problem with Gideon and all of Israel is that their lives had become stained with sin. They had forsaken their God and they had turned to the idol gods of their very enemies. Look, they didn't just turn to idol gods. They turned to the gods of their enemies, the ones who were trying to kill them. They turned to their God. I mean, that's, Pharaoh Hardison chapter 6, verse 7, that's messed up. When you turn to the gods of the enemy. Here, listen. Pharaoh Hardison, and, and I'm going to put my name there because because just to say it, I feel like you might think I'm being too hard on you, so I say it to me. God will not use Pharaoh Hardison if there is unconfessed sin in his life. God will not use Pharaoh Hardison if there's unrepented of sin in my life. I have been called to live holy. I've been called to live holy. Isaiah 52, 11. Look what it says. Be clean. Now I've pulled out the first part of the verse. Be clean, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. Man. You know, you know that I interpret it. Is that we all as Christians need to be clean, but those of us who are leaders... Those of us who bear the vessels of the Lord, he says, be clean. But everybody, all Christians are called to be clean. Now, the next verse is in the English Standard Version. So watch up on screen. Now, the reason I use the English Standard Version on this one, the reason I use it a lot, is because most Bible scholars believe the English Standard Version of the Bible is the closest thing to the original language. The original Hebrew, Old Testament, Greek, New Testament. So 1 Peter chapter 1, that's toward the end of your Bible, right before you get to uh, Revelation. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Look what it says. I'm almost done preaching. I'm almost done. Y'all probably are not going to get to Bojangles as quick as you did last Sunday. But look. Therefore, 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 Pharaoh Hardison, Therefore, Pine Level Pentecost Holiness Church. Therefore, individual Christian. Therefore, 
Preparing your minds. That's where the battle's at. That's where the battle's at. We just did a whole series on temptation. Y'all do remember I did that series, right? It's a battle for your mind. Preparing your minds for battle, for action, and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That means the end. Verse 14. As obedient children, think about holiness, holy. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Now, ignorance means you don't know. It doesn't mean you can't know. If you can't know, then you got a mental deficiency. In other words, if you can't learn something, and I've got some of them now. I've got some of them. But he's talking about you didn't know. So you did things out of ignorance. That's different than doing things knowing. He said, out of your former ignorance, you conform to passions, the Canaanite passions. Verse 15 But as he who called you is holy, he who called you, there's that calling again, he being God, he who called you, and then gives us one of the primary qualities of God, holiness. But as but Pharaoh Hardison, as God who called you is holy, you, Pharaoh Hardison, also be holy in all your conduct. And then Romans 12 and 2. You know this one by heart. And I'm going to read this one out of the Amplified Bible, but it's very, very close to this. Listen, just listen. And be not conformed, Pharaoh Hardison, Pine Level Church, individual Christian. Be not conformed to the world any longer with its superficial values and customs. But be transformed, metamorphosis, like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Be transformed be through metamorphosis, a spiritual metamorphosis and progressively changed as you mature and grow in the Lord by, how do, how do I grow? How do I mature? How do I become a better man of God? How do I become a holier man? How do I become more of somebody God can use? By the renewing of my mind, and I renew my mind by focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes and biblical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is. And the will of God is this. It is good. It is acceptable. And it is perfect. That is God's plan and purpose for you. So here's what I want to leave you with today. I want you to do a... You do it all on your own. You do it privately. But I want you to look at your life and say, what do I need to tear down? What do I need to tear down in my life? Are you you jealous? Are you stingy? Are you... um, 
Are you holding a grudge? Oh, you've justified it. I'm sure you've justified it. But God says they need to be tore down. God says, I can't use you if you don't tear them down. God says, I want you to hook up your spiritual John Deere to that thing in your life that you know is there. Now, other people may not know it's there. It may be a private thing. He said, I want you to know. Look, let me tell you something. I know every rebellious thing in me. I know it. Now, I'll talk to myself once in a while and go, oh, that's not rebellion. I tell you, you know what I found out about me? I really like me. I really like me. And when I feel feel convicted about something, I will tell me, oh, you're fine. Oh, you're fine. Look in the mirror. Everybody know you're fine. You're fine. My flesh tells me I'm fine. You know who else tells me I'm fine? Satan tells me I'm fine. I'm not here to make you feel guilty. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to tell you that if you do what's taught in this scripture today, God's going to use you in a way you never dreamed he could use you before. He said, I'm looking for regular folk, ordinary people who live right. And if you'll be ordinary and you'll live right, I'll do massive things through your life. So, So here's what I'm doing. Boy, don't ask him if you don't want to know. Don't say, God, show me what I need to tear down in my life. If you don't want to know, don't ask him. Because when you ask him, he will put it right there in your face. The fact is, and I want to get back to what I was saying, I know. I know. I try to act like I don't know. I try to act like I'm ignorant about it sometimes. But then it just comes right back. God says that needs to be torn down in your life. Tear it down. You tear it down through prayer. You tear it down through the Word of God. You tear it down through obedience. You tear it down through serving. You you tear it down by being like the Lord, doing the things you know the Lord wants you to do. So Pharaoh, tear that down. And then Pharaoh, build up. Build up your prayer life. Build up your personal Bible study because here's what I do. I study to preach. I study to preach and I let it creep in that that's my Bible study. It's not. When Brother Max studies the Bible to preach on Wednesday night, that's not his devotion. Now, he may be blessed by it and grow and become a better Christian, but God just wants to get with Mac about Mac. See, when you sit at the front, brother, you can get preached right straight to. I see y'all back there. (laughs) But, But God wants you to tear down some stuff. And and look, you you know what's gonna keep you from tearing it down? Pride. Pride. Because you God's gonna show you that thing you need to tear down, and you know what you're gonna say. Well, Harold over here. I ain't bad as Harold. There's somebody here named Harold. If they are, I'm sorry. I don't mean you. Myrtle Jean. I know nobody named You see, on Myrtle Jean, she did. Lord, I'm telling you, I'm bad, Lord, but I ain't. That's what we do. That's what we do. 
You know who you ought to compare yourself to? The Holy One of Israel. The Lord Jesus Christ. You will never, ever compare yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ and go, I'm fine. You'll always see something that needs to be torn down. And you'll always see something that needs to be built up. Amen. Are y'all are y'all all right? Everybody all right? I'm telling you, if we tear down the things God tells us to tear down, if we hook our spiritual tractor up to them and pull them down and use the wood from them to make an offering of sacrifice to the Lord, our lives will be changed, our church will be changed, this community will be changed. You'll see revival like you've never seen it before. Amen. You know what? I'm not going to call you up this morning. If you want me to pray for you, I'll hang around up here at the front. I'll be glad to pray for you. I'm just going to have a dismissal prayer. Everybody, please stand. And uh, you'll be dismissed. But if you are sick in your body, you want me to pray for you. If you know someone who's sick and you want to come stand in for them, anything you need, we'll hang around right here and pray for you before you leave. Father, your word stung me today. It, was, it stung me. <laughs> it pinched me. I got uncomfortable. Lord, I studied this sermon for two weeks now intently. And Lord, when I got up here to preach it, it burned me. It stung me. It pinched me. And I didn't like that. But I say thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Show me those things. I have no right to tell Mac what to do. I have no right to tell David what to do, even Miss Millie. I don't have any right to tell anybody what they need to do if I'm not looking at myself and saying, Lord, show me what needs to be torn down and show me what is weak in me that needs to be built up. And then don't let me get away from following through on what you showed me. If we'll do it, we'll have a revival like this church has never known before. I'll have a personal revival like I've never had in my life before if I'll focus on tearing down and building up. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said... I love y'all. Have a great day. Anybody wants prayer? Come on up. We'll pray for you. This is the Palo Pentecostal Church Incorporated. Copyright 2023.